Welcome to episode one of the Joy of Math Hammer podcast. My name is Josh Howard, and I'm a guy that enjoys numbers just a little bit too much. On today's episode, we'll be doing a first look at an Age of Sigmar army from the Grand Alliance of Death, the Night Haunts. My selection of Night Haunts for the first episode is twofold. Reason the first, they're one of the factions available in the starter set for Age of Sigmar. Reason the second, and much more relevant, I play a Night Haunt army, or rather, I want to. Reason 2 is actually a part of the genesis of this podcast. I'm relatively new to Age of Sigmar. I've been peripherally involved in the hobby since 2008, but never got seriously into the hobby due to time, money, and being so far from anyone else that plays that it's difficult to find games. Well, to play it all, really. That changed with the start of 2019. I decided to get back into this hobby as a creative outlet and something else to do with my time. I wanted to make a competitive army from what I had, Night Haunts and Stormcast Eternals. My kids, who I convinced to play, show Stormcasts, so I'm playing Night Haunts. I opened the Battle Tome for the first time and realized there's so much here that I have to choose from. Not as much as the Stormcast book, mind you, but enough to overwhelm me. When I asked at my local games workshop, one of the neckbeards made an offhand suggestion like it was the most obvious thing in the world. Take these guys with this leader and you'll do fine. That sounded fishy to me. Then the idea occurred to me. The idea that would eventually become this podcast. Was there a way to objectively look at each unit in a faction compared to other units within the same faction? What I found was a wonderful world of Math Hammer. This led me down a rabbit hole of calculating probabilities, but theoretical probabilities are worthless in a game affected by physical dice rolls. This led me to making tables to roll a series of attack sequences for each unit in the army. This led me to the realization that rolling all these dice would take way too long. This led to me struggling for several days at an Excel spreadsheet and using Google to answer my formula questions. The end result is an array that rolls an attack sequence 100 times and finds the average. It also can calculate the results for up to 200 attacks. Hopefully, that's good enough for everyone listening as I'm not going to try and roll that many dice. What I didn't find in my search was a resource where someone took a look at an army and did more than just a glance at the stats and determine, based on a preconceived notion of what's good, tell you what units and what configurations you should take in your army. My goal with this podcast is to give new and experienced generals alike a resource to utilize when constructing an army. I will say that with my advice and my comparisons that your mileage may vary, but this is my take on analyzing each unit based on how well it can take down liberators and how the model stands up to a unit of liberators when attacked. When comparing attack strength, I'm trying to get the units themselves as close as possible in points values while sticking to unit sizes that are actually usable on the tabletop. There will be some discrepancies and gaps, but I'm the one making this podcast, so that's the decision I made. With that, I'll start my breakdown of how each unit in the Night Haunt Battle Tome fared against a unit of Liberators. I'm going with a unit of 10 Liberators with shields and warhammers, with every 5th Liberator having a great hammer as the opposing unit, just because it simplifies things out. Starting with Battle Line Units, the Chain Rasps. I'm fielding 20 models, which equals 41 attacks. This unit at this size will average just under 5 wounds or 2 downed liberators in a single round of combat. When liberators fought back, they'll deal an average of just over 4 wounds or 4 chain rasps down. The chain rasps save one of their wounds because of that lovely, lovely night haunt death save, leaving just 3 chain rasps down. Chain rasps are 85%, liberators 80%. Grim Gas Reapers, 10 models, 21 attacks. Average just under 5 wounds or 2 liberators. Just over three wounds or one liberator. This depends on if there's five or more models in the unit they're attacking. Liberators average just over three wounds or three models taken out. The Reapers save one of their wounds. Liberators at 80 to 90%. Grimgasts at 80%. Hex Wraiths. 
5 models, 21 attacks, if you count their mounts. Average of just above 4 wounds, one of those being a mortal wound. That's 2 liberators down. Liberators deal 3 wounds or 1 model taken out, but one of those wounds is saved. Hex wraiths are still 100%, liberators 80%. Oh, my math's wrong. Sorry, I printed my notes out and realized my math is wrong. Hex wraiths are 80%, so are the liberators. Spirit Hosts, three models, 18 attacks. They average just over three wounds, of which, on average, three of them are mortal wounds, or one Liberator taken out of action. Liberators deal three wounds, or one model taken out. No death save was successful. Liberators are at 90%, Spirit Hosts are at a whopping 66%. That's brutal. For me, the winner's chain asks for battle line. They field a lot of models for the points cost and can still keep fighting even when they start taking a pounding, when other units start to lose effectiveness quickly as models are taken out. Now the hex rates come a close second there because they only lost a model, but they still dish out an obscene amount of attacks. Now we move on to the non-battle line. We get the Dread Scythe Herodons, 10 models for 31 attacks. A whopping average of just under 8 damage, or 3 Liberators downed. Only 4 of those wounds on average came from Mortal Wounds as well. So, only half of your damage there is counting on Mortal Wounds. Most of that's coming from just regular attacks. The Liberators take out 3 models, which the Herodons save 2 of. Herodons 90%, Liberators 70. <sighs> Glaive Wraith Stalkers. I hate these guys, I really do. I've played three battles with them, and they die every time. Eight models, 16 attacks. They average two to three damage depending on if they charge or were charged. One Liberator. Liberators take out three models, which they save two. Stalkers at 90, Liberators at 90. Blade Guys Revenants. These guys are fun. Ten models, 20 or 30 attacks depending on if they charge that turn. They average just under six or just over eight attacks, which is... Two to four Liberators. Liberators take out three Revenants, of which they only save one. Revenants at 80. Liberators, though, 60 to 70%. Chain Ghasts. Four models doing one attack each for each model in range. I'm calling about four of them that would be in range per Chain Ghast. A total of 16 attacks. Just over three damage or one Liberator out. Liberators deal three damage. Chain Ghasts. Uh, one gets taken down. They fail the death save. Chain Ghasts are at 75%. Liberators are at 90. However, they also have a ranged attack these chain ghasts do. Uh, it's just D3 attacks. When I rolled this for the podcast, I got 10 attacks. Just over 2 damage or 1 Liberator down, for which they have no response. Ranged leaves chain ghasts at 100%, but brings Liberators down to 90%. Mirmorn Banshees. I love Mirmorn Banshees. They've been one of my favorite units since I first found them. 8 models which is 8 or 16 attacks, depending on if they ate a spell or not this round, with D3 damage, just over 4 damage or 2 Liberators down, or 8 damage, 4 Liberators down if they ate a spell. Liberators take out 3 models, the Banshees save 2 of them, Banshees 87%, Liberators 60-80%. to The winners here are the Dread Scythe Herodons, the Blade Geist Revenants, and the Mirborn Banshees. However, the Chain Ghasts still have an integral role to play in the Nighthawn army, which I'll get into later this episode. Now we get into the heroes. I'll say up front, the Nighthaunt heroes are lousy in close combat. Take it or leave it, here we go. The Cairn Wraith. 
three attacks, dealing two mortal wounds on an unmodified six to hit. He takes down an average of one Liberator each turn of combat. They do much more damage to him. Three wounds, he only saves one. He's at two wounds, the Liberators still have nine models. But he's a cheap hero. So if you've got the points in your list, you need something to fill it, you don't want to take those wonderful Glaive Wraiths, throw in a Cairn Wraith. Tomb Banshee has both a ranged attack and a melee attack. Her range attack, based on my array, deals one mortal wound to a unit of Liberators on average. Less than one damage on average per round. Liberators deal three wounds. She saves one of them. She is necessary to a battalion, though, which uses Dreadscythe Herodons and Miramorn Banshees, which, if you haven't guessed it by now, I kind of like Dreadscythe Herodons and Miramorn Banshees. A Dreadblade Harrow. If you charge, they deal more damage. If you don't charge, they attack more. On a charge, they deal just over one damage. With no charge, they just barely average one damage. Liberators deal three wounds. They fail all three of them. He's on two wounds. He's useful in certain battalions, though, especially if you want to use the Black Coach, which I don't touch at all in this episode because that's just a whole table of weirdness. The Guardian of Souls. He's great. For me, he doesn't even generate one damage each round. Liberators deal three damage. Saves one of them. He's at three wounds, but he is crucial to a Nighthaunt army, in my opinion. The Nighthaunts need him for their wound regeneration, which we'll get into a little bit later in more detail. Knight of Shroud, this one's on foot. Four attacks, averaging two damage or taking down one Liberator. Suffers three wounds. He fails all three death saves. Two wounds remain. Knight of Shrouds with the Pony. Six averages, uh, six attacks, averaging two damage or one Liberator. Three wounds, one saved, four wounds remain. This guy is money, especially when he's near Chain Rasps. The Spirit Torment. Three attacks, D3 damage. He averaged about one damage a round. Three wounds, saves two of them. He's still at four wounds, still decent fighting trim. He's great with chain, gra- chain ghasts because he provides a reroll from models and a passive heal enough en- if enough enemy models are slain. Then we get the Lord Executioner. Deals an average about one damage, but has a huge, ups- huge upside if he rolls a six to wound. Takes three wounds, save wounds. He's at four wounds still, which is nothing to sneeze at, but I mean, considering that they're, you know, Dealing on average three wounds around, he's not going to be around very long. Um, he is part of an interesting battalion that will allow him to tank more wounds if he's got spirit hosts nearby to help that out. But I'm not a huge fan of spirit hosts as it is. Um, that's personal preference. You can take it or leave it because this is just my thoughts, my ramblings. And that's it for the non-named heroes. And now... The named heroes start adding different wrinkles depending on the heroes you're looking at. Uh, the first one is Reichnor the Grim Hailer. Where is he on my? There he is. He has seven total attacks, and depending on the unit size, he'll deal either two or four damage on average, which is one to two Liberators taken down. Liberators do three damage, he saves two, so he's still on six wounds. Still has a lot of damage that this guy can take. He's a wizard too, and can pack some really good punch against armies um even just by himself he's actually a pretty decent close combat hero um up next is kurdos valentian um his story is just fun if you want to read the lore but uh he does 11 attacks an average of four damage or two liberators taken out three wounds suffered from the liberators he saves one of them 
he's still at five wounds. And then we get to one of the models that I most want in my army. I just don't have the money right now for her. And that's uh, Lady Olander, the Mortark of Grief. Not only is she just a gorgeous looking model that I really want to paint, but she has an amazing punch and can do a lot to both sustain herself and your Nighthaunt army. Uh, she has three different avenues attack, even outside of her magic. And she's a pretty powerful wizard. Nagash wouldn't have a Mortark if they weren't a powerful wizard. Hero phase, uh, average is three mortal wounds. That's one liberator down, no problem. No ifs, ands, buts, no save even. Uh, the shooting phase averages one wound. Combined with the hero phase, that's two liberators down before they can even swing at her. In melee, she averages two wounds or one liberator. So in theory, she takes down three liberators each phase in addition to her ability to restore units to battle and make enemy models suffer debuffs. That does it. The Heroes of the Night Haunts don't really shine in close combat, like I said. They shine in the synergies their abilities and magic give to the army, making your other units more effective. This is really kind of at the heart of the Night Haunt army. Uh, the battle line units, while they can dish out some decent punishment in the right configurations, and... Uh, they'll take a lot of damage in return. The heroes can't really dish out a lot of damage, but when you pair them with your other units, you get this cohesive whole. Uh, honestly, a lot of them are auras that have to be within a certain range, wholly within a certain range to benefit from them. But as you start to put this piece and this piece together, you actually can get a death ball of an army that is obscenely hard to deal with unless you can just absorb you know uh 60 attacks from a unit of 28 chain rasps that have been buffed by a knight of shrouds on his steed uh 60 hits that's a lot of hits for any armor take if you can tank that you probably don't really have much to worry about to begin with um one of the other beautiful things of the knight haunt army is their death save. Anytime they take a wound, you get to roll the dice. Six up, they don't take that wound. Think about that. You just get three mortal wounds or six mortal wounds, whatever the number is, from an enemy unit. You roll the dice. You've got a one in six chance that that wound, each of those wounds, is just going to go bye-bye. You don't even have to worry about it. Um, the second really nice thing about the Night Haunts is the fact that they are ethereal. Uh, they ignore any modifiers to the armor save. Think about that. There are some armies where their entire attack and their whole battle plan is rend, rend, rend. They want to destroy your armor save. With the exception of Chain Rasps, Every other Night Haunt unit has a 4-plus save. You've got a 50-50 shot of saving every wound that comes into you. In addition, you've got that extra death save on top of it. So while they may, be, they may take damage like it's going out of style, they actually have the ability to shrug off that damage just as easily which is a really cool thing. I like actually the thematic elements that that gives to the Night Haunt army. So they keep coming, 
they can shrug off things that most other armies would not be able to shrug off. Then you start adding in things from their heroes. Guardian of Souls is one of my favorite. He casts a spell. If it's successful, you get to restore... I forget the exact number. I don't have my book in front of me. But you get to restore a certain number of wounds to a unit. If the units have one wound each, you get to bring back models. So your enemy could have just done, you know, taken out four of your chain rasps, four of your grim ghasts, four of whatever. You're bringing those back just the next round. Uh, Lady O can do that as well. Uh, she can bring back slain models if they're within a certain aura of her. Um, so you get that regen. So those wounds that you took, those don't matter as much because you know that the next turn you can bring them back. In addition to that, you get the spirit torment and the chain ghasts. They create an aura. And actually, if you have multiple chain ghasts and multiple spirit torments, you can actually increase a huge radius for those auras that allow you to reroll ones to hit or wound. I forget which one it is. I really should know this if I'm going to be speaking about it on a podcast. But so you've got a one in six shot if you fail to reroll that and make those attacks more effective. So you've got a chain rasp horde that suffered some damage, but those models came right back. Oh, hey, look, they're not even gone. Hi. And then you add on top of that, they can re-roll wound. They can re-roll things of one. Okay, so you failed to hit, you rolled a one. You've still got a chance to bring that hit and make that hit effective and take down more models. Then you add that another layer, the Knight of Shrouds on his steed. He uses a command point and he can add one to the attack characteristic of even that's wholly within 18 inches of him. If those chain rasps are right there, they go from a unit of 20 with 41 attacks to a unit of 20 with 61 attacks, rerolling ones to hit. And if you have more than 10 models in a chain rasp unit, they're also rerolling ones to wound. Two different rerolls. I mean, you still have, a, I mean, you've gone from basically a, you know, a 40% chance of hitting and a 50% chance of wounding you add on an additional, like, I think it's a 0.16 to that. So you've gone from 50% to 66% chance of hitting and wounding. It may not sound like much, but when you're rolling 61 dice, that all adds up. And that's what the night haunts are. It's this little bit here, this little bit there. And as you add and add and add, I mean, two of the battalions more than two of the battalions, several of the battalions in the Night Haunt Battle Tome require you to take two units of 40 chain ghasts. That's 80 attacks base. If you add in that uh, that delightful Knight of Shrouds, adding plus one to their attack characteristics, that's three attacks each. That's 120 attacks from one unit of 40 models. I don't know many armies that could shrug off 120 attacks, re-rolling ones to hit and re-rolling ones to wound. That's kind of crazy. Not to mention that 
every single one of the Nighthaunt units is Bravery 10. So anything that affects Bravery is not going to touch the Nighthaunts. Um, the more I look at this army, the more I think it's one that needs a harder look. There are a lot of people, uh, to my knowledge, I have not actually delved deep into the actual competitive scene, that look at Nighthaunts as not a top-tier army. They don't have the hitting power. They don't have as much of the whammies that some of the other armies do. Um, I think it's because certain units have been overlooked in the in the army. I know that um, Dreadside Herodians were ones that when I first looked at that battle tome, I was like, oh my god, why would anybody ever want to take those? But then I actually looked at them and did the math on them, and it just shocked me how effective they can be. The amount of attacks they give for their points value first and foremost, and uh, for their unit size. 31 attacks from 10 models versus it takes uh, 20 chain rasps to get 41. You know, you're getting a lot more hits out of them than you do from a unit of, say, Grimgast Reapers. And they're also uh, the same cost as the Grimgast Reapers. And so, I mean, the Grimgast Reapers have the, the reroll to failed wounds or failed hits if uh, the unit has five or more models, but I am, and this is revealing kind of my bias, I tend to be kind of a horde army player. Um, I want lots of hits, lots of damage. I love chucking giant quantities of dice. It's a pain in the neck to do, but it's a lot of fun. Um, well, this has been a, a first episode. Um, I got into more of the synergies than I was expecting to this episode, but there's still all of the battalions that I want to go through. There's still all of the relics that you can take that add extra wrinkles to your heroes, to your units. Um, but that's for next week. Um, I hope that you find this formation helpful. If you do, please let me know. This is still an early podcast and I have a lot of content yet to create. So early comments can help kind of shape how this goes. I have a couple of episode, other episode formats that I want to get into, including uh, writing out lists, playing them against each other. Since I live kind of in the middle of nowhere, it's hard for me to find games. Um, I'll just be playing with myself in those episodes. Um, it's kind of hard to be surprised or make sure I'm getting everything right, but it gives an idea of how different lists will play against each other. Uh, again, I really hope you enjoyed this. I'm Josh Howard, and this has been episode one of the Joy of Math Hammer podcast. Good night, and happy number crunching.